It's a simple phrase we have, but in Hebrew, there was no phrase like this. They used alternative words. So I want us to hear what that phrase is. And I've asked a few people to come forward. So all my volunteers, they're really not volunteers, they were drafted in Korean, come forward. And in Slovak, and in Ibu, and Samoan, okay? And if you stand right here and just say, say what your language is and say what the phrase is in your language. The Slovak language, ďakujem. Thank you. In one of Nigerian uh, languages called Ibo, it is called uh, Dalo. Korean language, kumako kamsamnida. Thank you. In Samoan, you say Father Tai Lava. And in Italian, we say grazie. You know what the word is? A little louder? Thank you. Thank you. That is the word. That, there's, there's no such word in Hebrew for thank you. They change it. Interesting what they do as a culture. Rather than saying thank you to a person, the phrases they use, and you've heard this throughout scripture, they glorify God, they come back and praise God, and they, they don't say thank you to God, but they sing hallelujah to God. These are all different ways in Hebrew, Semitic language, that people say thank you. But here in our own country, in our own world today, we have it in Samoan, in English, in Korean, uh, the way to say thank you from our hearts. And it's appropriate. And we all know what it means. And we all know what it feels like to hear it to us when someone says jankiya or, or uh, say it again in, in Ibu? Dawa. Okay. We know how it feels. It, we know how it feels if it falls on our ears and someone says gracias in Spanish or grazie in, in, in Italian or thank you. Oh, it's like a connection. That didn't exist in the time of Jesus, but it was a more intimate way of saying thank you to God, praise God, glory to God. That's why often in the scriptures you hear, uh, they came back and they knelt at the feet of Jesus and praised him. We're not going to kneel at each other's feet to say thank you, but in the idea of Yahweh being the God of Israel, but also, quote, the government of Israel. See, God, it was a theocratic society, as you know. The, the temple and the rules were all one. So the politics and religion were one. Okay? We don't have that. Some countries do, and it doesn't work today as we, where, where theocracies rule. Because if you make an offense, like crossing the street, you could be arrested and condemned as a religious infidel. If you, if you uh, are a woman and your hair shows that that's a political rule and that's a church well a mosque rule that you can't break okay so it's theocracies are very difficult for us today to understand but it was very clear what the they were doing now who comes back to jesus let's let's go back to the first reading from from the book of kings there are two main prophets in the book of kings elisha and elijah 
Elijah's first, and he gives his, his uh, prophecy power to Elisha eventually. So this is about Elisha today. Um, the word of, of Elisha got out. Okay, This guy is a Jew. He's a Hebrew. He's preaching. But it, the word got out to the Syrians that this guy represents God in a very special way. He's a good guy represents God, but he represents the God of Israel. What does that mean? Well, in those days, in Semitic culture, every country had its own God. And that's, and you'll, you'll get clarified later about the dirt. Every country had its own God, and every tribe in that country had its own God and goddess. Not, with, not so with the Hebrews, they had God, not a God, God, Yahweh, the, the nameless one. So Elisha is preaching about Yahweh, the nameless one, and he's preaching, well, basically always fidelity to the covenant, fidelity to God, fidelity to, to God's people, loving, caring, temple worship, etc. Now, the problem is their neighbors are enemies. It's almost like it's a contemporary problem going on between Ukraine and Russia. Today, people from the Ukrainian jogging society requested that Ukrainian, I mean, Russians and Belarus people not participate in the marathon. I don't have a vote on that, but, but that's how deeply rooted anger and hate is between those people, and, and for just reasons, and you know the reasons. But the same kind of anger was evident between the Syrians the Samaritans and the Jews. Okay. Now the Samaritans were low class on the on on the social calendar. They were they were nobody liked the Samaritans except the Samaritans. So Syria is an enemy of the Jews, and there's a possibility that they're going to come over and take us over and destroy us. So there's a lot of fear and tension. You know what what fear does? It makes people a little nutsy. You know, and, and they get judgmental with fear. So Naaman is a general, a Syrian general. That this part is skipped from this particular section in chapter five. Is a Syrian general, but he has leprosy. Now, leprosy we know today is a virus, a, a, a not dis disability, a, a debilitating virus, but it's ugly. It's like warts and things like that. But it can be healed because it's a virus. Then it was looked upon as God's curse. It was awful. And people literally died from it, and body parts would get so infected they would fall off. So with leprosy, the rule was, if you have leprosy, you're out of the society. It doesn't matter who you are. So when the lepers approach Jesus, they're at a distance. They couldn't come close to Jesus because they had leprosy. And it was believed to be very, very uh, contaminating. So they always had to be on the outskirts of society. Now here it is, okay, it's a different period, but same illness. Naaman, the general in Syria, has leprosy. Gross me out is what the people are saying. You're a general, but you ain't gonna generalize me. You ain't gonna rule my people. This is disgusting. You know, you gotta be, be evacuated immediately. Fear, it does that to people. So Naaman gets an idea. He says, I'm going to contact Elisha. Elisha is a good man of God, the Hebrew God, but he's, people say he's a good guy. He has trustworthy credentials. 
They're very much thinking like, like we're thinking today. And I'll go to Elisha. So he sends a messenger to Elisha, because he's a general, he can't talk to him, Elisha. He sends a messenger to Elisha and says, uh, send me, come over and, and take care of me. And Elisha's probably with, you know, tongue in cheek, says, are you kidding me? Come to you? No, no, I ain't going to do that. But what happens is a servant of Naaman knows Elisha, sends a message. Elisha says to the servant, tell Naaman to come over here to our land and bathe himself in the Jordan seven times. Now, the Jordan is right here. And here's, here's Israel, and there's Jordan. And the water of Jordan is the River Jordan, same River Jordan that Jesus was baptized in, same River Jordan that on our pilgrimage next year we'll be visiting and, and you know, renewing our own baptismal promises. And it's, it's a river. And Naaman says, I have to come to there to bathe in your water. We have water here. But because Elisha said it, I'll go. You know, hey, what did he have to lose? He had leprosy. People are going to shun him anyway. So he goes down, and, and Elisha's command was bathe seven times. So he bows in seven times, goes into the water, and he's healed. And the, and the, the, the scripture says his skin became like a baby's skin. Is there, I saw a baby carriage. There's two babies back there. Just imagine. And there's a baby sitting right there. The skin of a child. It, it was pure. It was clean. He doesn't know how to say thank you. So what he does is, is says to, to the prophet, I, I want to give you something. I'm, I want to pay you for this gift. And Elisha says, no, no, I don't take a payment. It's God's work, not me. So how can I do this? Now go back to their different gods in different lands idea. He says, that's how it ends, so it, make, it makes no sense to us, maybe, but it does make sense scripturally. Please, let me, your servant, have two mule loads of dirt, earth, he says, dirt, so I can bring Israeli dirt into Syria, and there I'll put a mound, and there I'll kneel and offer sacrifice to your God. That's how connected they were to the idea that gods went with the earth of the territory where the people lived. So what is he doing? He's saying, Jankiyo, he's saying, grazie, he's saying, thank you. But in his way, I'm going to praise God on your earth. I'm going to praise your God on your earth for what he did to me. Okay. So that's the, I mean, it's a beautiful story. It's longer than that. You don't want to hear, hear all the details from me, I'm sure. But go back to the book of Kings. Now we move to Jesus. Again, it's the Gospel of Luke. And we always remember, in the Gospel of Luke, what is Jesus doing? He's on a journey. He's always journeying toward Jerusalem. Every chapter you hear, Jesus continue his journey to Jerusalem. He's Why? Because Jerusalem is going to be where the cross and resurrection happen. When Luke is composing this, it was well after the resurrection. So, in other words, he planned out his writing that way. So Jesus' journey, okay? And these are the things that happen to Jesus along the way. Basically, that's what Luke is saying. Now, gross me out. Ten lepers approach Jesus. 
and they're at a distance. Now, it's funny because although some are Jews and some are uh, uh, Samaritans, they all got leprosy, so they're all you know, painted with the same brush. They will all gross me out. I don't want to be near them. And tell you the truth, what they used to have to do is shout. If they saw people coming by and on, on, a, on a road, they would have to shout out, lepers, lepers. So you, the people journeying, whoa, you stay on your side, I stay on my side, and we separate. Now, this is, this is a funny story associated with it. I've got to give you a little, little story. My first year in college, we were in the Divinity School in Seton Hall University. It wasn't hazing, but it was hazing. The freshmen, the new coming freshmen, so I was one of the freshmen, had to, had to be hazed, but it wasn't called hazing, okay? We didn't haze, okay? Play with, it's a play on words. And our hazing was after class, but before study hall, we had to gather in the hallway, in Bowling Hall, one of the, one of the residence halls at Seton Hall, and we have to gather to one, and it was, it was, a, very, it was a U-shaped hallway, so the, the building was a U-shape, so we had to start in E-wing and end up in, in West Wing. Going through the hallways where all the, the upperclassmen could look out their doors while we, the freshmen, said, this is very humiliating, ding dong, I'm a leper, ding dong, I'm a leper. And all the guys in the, in the rooms would clap, and close their door, like shut us out. So, very symbolic. I didn't know it was very scriptural. <laughs> I thought they were a bunch of wackos. I probably still think they're wackos. But anyway, it was, it was a very, very insightful way for us to learn the discrimination because of leprosy. We didn't have leprosy, but we were freshmen. You know, that discrimination that goes on between the upper class people and, and the lower class people in school. So I remember that always. When I remember the, the, this gospel, I think of that. Ding dong, I am a leper. Now, they didn't say ding dong. and They may have had bells, I don't know. But it kept everybody away. And what does that bold Jesus do? He goes right to them and says, Go. Go show yourselves to the priest. Why? Because they pleaded with him. You got, this is very important. Jesus, master, have pity on us. Relationship. Go to Jesus. He responds. His response was because they came to him. Go show yourselves to the priest. Okay, technical stuff. The priests were the only people who could allow you back into society. Remember that whole thing with society, politics, and, and religion coming together? The priests would be the people who invite you back into society after they approved of the healing. So Jesus says, go, show yourself. What did Jesus do? Jesus healed them. They asked for pity from Jesus, and he healed them. That connection between them and Jesus heal them. It'll be clarified in the last sentence, but that's amazing for us today. He's out there. He doesn't hear me. Uh, he, why isn't he making peace in uh, Ukraine? Why isn't he cleaning up our streets? Why doesn't he get rid of homelessness? I had a guy just three days, a very intelligent guy, an architect in, in the city. Oh, oh, there's too much homelessness, and, and the, it's, it's the problem of the church. The church should clean up all the homelessness in, in New York. Please. Yes. 
and, and, the, and the homeless shelters in New York, the Catholic homeless shelters, are bulging. What about the state? What about the, what's the government doing? From the top to the bottom. Not politics, but, okay, that was his idea. And we still have that idea, that God should take care of it all. Well, Jesus is very clear here. Go to Jesus. And they go to Jesus and ask for pity. And what does he do? Go show yourselves to the priest. And in that process, they are healed. That's important. One comes back. And that's even more important. One out of the ten come back. The rest of them were Jews. The one who comes back was the enemy of the Jews, the Samaritan. There are so many lessons here to learn for all of us because all of us have been lepers in, in society in one way or the other. My ancestors were Italian lepers. His ancestors were Irish lepers. Today we have Asian lepers and Spanish lepers. You know what I mean. How people, the dominant group, judge those who are new in society as lepers. Don't come near. Not in my backyard. It's still going on. But Jesus breaks that. That's why we're here today, because we're, we can't be part of society in, in a very uh, secular way. We have to be part of society in a very Christian way. And Jesus gives us the example. So he notices that there are ten lepers, nine are Jews, and they keep going to the priest. Okay, great. The Samaritan. I, I, I want to get an example. Like, the Samaritan, it would be like the Russian going to a, a, a Ukrainian. It would be like an Afghanistan person coming to, to, to an American. It would be like, um, think of your worst enemy or your, your mythological enemy coming to you for a favor. That's the, that's the connection, that's the tension that's going on here. And the Samaritan comes to Jesus glorifying God in a loud voice. And what we did at the beginning of the homily? Thank you, thank you, thank you. In all languages, that was their way of saying, thank you, Jesus. They praised God. Beautiful way of thanking even each other, realizing that if I can thank you, it's God who has really given me the energy to thank you, God who is blessing you with the, the gift that caused me to thank you. It keeps us closer. I don't care what language you speak. Once you speak thank you, you're glorifying God. And Jesus has a question. Uh, where are the other nine? Where are the, I, 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 I healed ten. The enemy, the foreigner, the, 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 the Samaritan comes back to give thanks to God. How significant to say thank you is for us. How significant, and the scriptures today are inundated with it, the, the importance of connection, social connection, the importance of respect of all languages and all cultures, the importance and the richness of it, because when we're thanking each other, we're thanking God, the creator of all of us. We're not doing each other a favor. We're not doing Putin a favor. We're not doing Zelensky a favor. We're not doing Biden a favor. We're doing God a favor by thanking each other and working together and being honest and, and taking care. Jesus took care. Jesus healed. And let's be clear. When Jesus said, stand up and go, your faith has saved you, the word for faith usually refers to salvation, 
Faith saves, okay? The word for saving and salvation is healing. So Jesus could very well have said, your faith healed you. And in some scriptures, places, you hear that. When he's curing somebody and they thank him, oh, your faith has healed you. You, you heal. No, your faith has healed you. Your faith in God heals you. Your faith in Jesus heals you. Now, Jesus doesn't come on and say, boom, magic. No. The connection that we make. We come to Eucharist in a few moments. That's the connection that heals us. But, as this architect argued with me the other day, you know, people have free will, you know, and, and they all choose to be. He compared, he compared people to the raccoons who attacked his chickens in the yard. He says, they're all animals, and I thought they'd get along. But they're like people. They're always at each other. And what looks like trustworthiness turns out to be a disaster. It looks like, because the, they are cute, the, the, the uh, raccoons. I mean, I, I think they're adorable, with little fingers and cute eyes and all that. But they're vicious. They attack the chicken, they'll attack your trash, they'll attack you if you, you go near them. So we can't judge by appearances. We can't judge on what we think is right. And the difference between them and us is we have that gift of free will. We don't have to hate because our ancestors hated. We don't have to despise white people or black people or orange people or pink people because our ancestors did. Come on. Development of consciousness. We have grown. And I like to use my own ancestors because we were the bottom of the power. Now, I wasn't around yet, but my, my grandfather came over. He was bottom of the barrel. He, I, we have signs in our family. Uh, Italians don't apply for jobs. And they misspelled Italians, probably on purpose. We've seen that through our history as Americans. Blacks don't apply. Spanish don't apply. This, But that's... Okay, we have Christ, and we've learned to appreciate, not completely, not universally, one another. And the scriptures today open our eyes in such a magnificent way and say, hey, who are you to not appreciate each other? God made all of us. God made even your enemies. God made, I gotta say, God even made Putin. And he's, he's doing horrible things. To innocent people. Can we hate him? I'd like to hate the deeds and pray for him. I shouldn't say I'd like to. That's what I do. We pray for the, the culprit and we pray that the deeds be annihilated, that there be peace. Not only there, but in our own homes, in our own communities, in our own town, in our own state, our country. And who's the guide? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ heals us. So on behalf of Jesus Christ, all you gathered here today, I say thank you, and I'd like you to say it out loud to each other in your own native language. Thank you. Let me hear it.